You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, today we are talking all about chickens and we are getting into backyard chickens. And I will tell you that, boy, the, the day we got chickens, when we bought our farm and we started eating farm fresh eggs off of our own place, it was a, a really fun time and a great reward for a couple of different reasons. But first and foremost, the eggs that come off your own place with these chickens going out and pecking on the ground and eating bugs and eating grass and getting all that carrot keratin and all of that on their eggs are just absolutely delicious. And it's the immediacy of it as well. You have the chickens right there. You can see them. They're out in the yard and you get to harvest something every day and eat something right off your farm immediately. You know, we raise cattle, we raise pigs, we raise goats, but it's a delayed reward with those animals. But with chickens, every day you're harvesting something and you're eating something off of your farm and it's really an enjoyable thing to do. So I hope that you're interested in chickens and I hope that our expert that we have on today can help you with any questions that are unresolved for you right now when it comes to raising your own. Joining us today on the DNB show is Gretchen Anderson, an award-winning humor columnist and the author of The Backyard Chicken Fight, as well as the upcoming book, Secrets of the Lazy Urban Gardener. Gretchen, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you and really looking forward to learning a lot about backyard chickens today. Well, you know, I tell even seasoned backyard chicken keepers when they come to my classes that they'll probably learn something new or they'll laugh. I tend to go toward the more humorous writing and that sort of thing. So I like that kind of stuff. Well, we like to watch our chickens and that's because they are humorous. Oh, oh, you know, and uh, there is intrinsic value in them, right? Because there's, there's entertainment and that's uh, one big reason why people keep backyard chickens. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you how we like to start the shows is just by asking our guests a little bit about them personally so our audience can kind of get to know who they're listening to. Can you kind of fill us in on you a little bit? Uh, let's see. Chicken-wise, um, I grew up in Salt Lake, and I think we were the first backyard chicken keepers because we were down in Holiday, and my mom bought 21 pullets and a rooster. I think back then she thought you had to have a rooster to get eggs. Uh-huh. So, and they were free range, big time. Finally, we corralled them into a playroom that was uh, attached to our garage. And I took care of the chickens. And we did everything wrong, Matt. Everything. Um, and those dang chickens still managed to live. Um, and I would sell their eggs. They were uh, leggerns, mm-hmm. white leggerns, uh, some of the not so nice chickens. <laughs> I shouldn't say that because I'm sure there are some people out there who have leggings and they're, they're not that bad. But the, out of the, the 22 hands, I think three of them were, were my buddies. And mm-hmm. that was it. Um, and they probably had some strain of different chicken in them to make them nice to me. Anyway, I grew up um, taking care of them and selling their eggs. That was my allowance. And I think back then I would pedal my, my eggs pedal my bike, and sell the eggs to people around the neighborhood for $2 a dozen. That was big money back in the 70s. And so when I found out that people were fighting for the right to have chickens in their backyards, it intrigued me from a private property rights issue mm-hmm. and sustainability issue, et cetera, et cetera. And I started researching it. And that's when I read the, I wrote the book, The Backyard Chicken Fight. And The Backyard Chicken Fight is has got great stories about people fighting for the right to have chickens. And it also has a great start 
uh, starter guide. So if you're thinking about having chickens, getting chicks, or even uh, skipping the chick stage but going to the pullet stage, the teenage stage, uh-huh. it's a great primer. It's quick and easy to read, and it will give you everything you need to know to, to get started. And DMB carries the book every spring. So Excellent. You can find it at DMB. So that's how I got back into chickens as an adult, and it's been wonderful. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that is very interesting. And you obviously must love chickens if you wrote a book about the struggle for people to be able to keep those uh, in their yards and on their property. Oh, I do. I do. And, you know, we said entertainment. You know what? Chickens have become pets now that they've been urban urbanized, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that uh, you, you look at them as pets with benefits. They provide your breakfast every morning. It's a different way of having chickens than what I was, uh, you know, when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I they weren't really my pets. I just took care of them and gathered their eggs and sold them. And so that was about it for that. But I've had some really nice chickens as an adult. Well, that's excellent. And now I can't help but ask. I have an author here in the studio, so I want to ask about secrets of the lazy urban gardener. What what can we be looking forward to with that book? Oh, good question. So Matt, when I did all my research for the backyard chicken fight i talked to people around the country who had chickens and they would more often than not tell me gretchen it's it's more about sustainability you know it's more about knowing where your food comes from food security Mm -hmm. so all these reasons kept coming up and these people were you know they're urban homesteaders they have gardens they're raising bees one gal in denver has a goat has a couple goats actually in her backyard and and uh she keeps keeps them for goat milk so it's more about sustainability and and reducing your food mile right now you and I, our food mile, unfortunately, is 1,500 miles from for- farm to fork. And that's just way too many miles. Mm-hmm. So if we can figure out how to grow our own stuff, how to preserve our own stuff, and get food and honey, or eggs and honey from our backyard, we're, we're significantly reducing our food mile. So it com- it then comes... Secrets of the Lazy Urban Gardener. I'm not saying gardeners are lazy, but <laughs> God knows. I, I'm i a gardener, and it's a lot of work. I'm an advanced master gardener, and I'm a master food safety advisor. And I just think there are ways to get from point A to point B in the garden faster than most most ways. And so I'm asking people all around the country to give me their tips and tricks, mm-hmm. what their grandparents handed down to them, all the wonderful shortcuts that maybe mom or dad taught them in the garden, that sort of thing. And so that's what the book is full of. Some great, great tips in gardening. And so it's it's good for the the new gardener as well as the seasoned gardener. Wonderful. And when do you expect it to be available? I hope in 2017, <laughs> this year, we've had, and maybe you can you can uh, relate to this. We've had some uh, a rush of um, aging parental issues that have kind of put all my stuff on the back burner, and you know, life happens. Yeah, unfortunately, that's part of it. Isn't yes, it? it is. It is. Absolutely. When you're when you're a good son or daughter, you got to take care of your parents. So, yeah. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into some questions about raising backyard chickens. Sounds good. 
A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hard-working and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. During calving season, your livestock operation really comes alive. On your ranch, be born ready with Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment, available at D&B Supply. For almost 80 years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field with continuous equipment innovation to help ranchers work up close with their livestock safely and with minimal stress. To bring your calves into the world, then bring them upright, stop on by select D&B Supply stores for Powder River Livestock Handling handling equipment. All right. Well, now that we're back, Gretchen, I wanted to ask you, so you kind of told us about getting involved with chickens as, as a young girl. Mm-hmm. Now, did you maintain that your whole life or was there a gap in there where you were not raising chickens? Oh, there was a definite gap. And I remember my mom telling me to go clean out the coop and the chickens were gone and you know, <laughs> they'd been gone for about a week or so. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, about a week later, all these little white packages show up in the freezer <laughs> And no one told my mom that she really can't roast or prepare a three or four year old hen. It yeah. just it's not very good. So, you know, if if our mistakes make us uh, wise, if that's where we glean our wisdom, then I think I should be brilliant by now. But um, my mom tried to roast one of those hens, and it was pretty gnarly. That, and if you don't know, it's it's best to use an old hen for stewing. They're the yeah. best stewing hens. But anyway, so it was about probably, you know, age 13, 14, when uh, the hens went away, and I... I had many more interests at that point in time in my life, and then it wasn't until I, I moved to Idaho and was living. I was living in the East End, and I wanted chickens then. And then we moved out to Eagle, where there used to be a huge chicken operation in Eagle Merritt's. Mm-hmm. I just said that you know I I need to have chickens in order to to write about them. So that's how that happened. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. Yeah. Well, let's let's start talking to all of the current or the would-be backyard chicken farmers that we have all throughout our listening area, you know, Eastern Oregon, here in the Treasure Valley of Idaho, down around Twin Falls, and and start kind of answering some questions that they might have about how to get started and how to get going. Go ahead. Okay, well, let's start off by talking about chicks. Okay, you know, the chicks are in the store right now, and each D&B has a list of chicks that they have ordered. And whenever I teach my class, I say, get a, a breed of one, you know, one each of each breed. So if you're going to get six chickens, which is allowed in Boise, Idaho, and each Mm -hmm. municipality has their own ordinance, but let's take Boise, for instance, six chicks, I would get six different breeds. The reason for that, Matt, is that you can directly track the health of each chicken through their egg production. And if you know that your Moran lays that dark, dark brown shelled egg, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden she stops laying something's going on. She's either going into a molt where she naturally loses feathers and then regrows them and they don't lay eggs at that time. Or she's sick, right? Mm -hmm. Or she's 
on strike. <laughs> so you got to, you know, that's where you kind of had to think like a chicken and figure it out. But um, you can you can get colored eggs from anywhere from that dark, dark brown, kind of like a Hershey chocolate bar, mm-hmm. all the way up to bright white with the leggerns, and then and then lots of colors in between and speckled eggs as well. So we're talking blue and green and pink and, and brown eggs. And so I would recommend six different breeds. That way you get to really experience them as well. And you can track their health. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I've never, ever thought about that. But trying to determine when a chicken, say, has stopped laying, if they're all laying the same color egg. You have no idea. Exactly. Unless you're hanging out with the chickens, and you have, if you have six Rhode Island Reds, and you haven't banded the, their legs or some something like that, then you don't know which one has stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it's, it's good for your end game, too, if you're considering what you're going to do with your chickens. Once they stop laying, they say, well, Gretchen, wait, chickens stop laying? Well, they don't actually stop laying. They trail off after mm-hmm. about three years. Three years of good, healthy, almost daily laying. A chicken will lay an egg every 24 to 26 hours. And if you have one who lays more than that, boy, I want to meet that chicken. Because <laughs> I've heard about it, but I haven't ever met a chicken who can do it, do more than that. Anyway, you know, three years is about the benchmark. And then they just taper off just a bit. I know of, you know, very old chickens, 12 years old, who will lay an egg every once in a while. And the life expectancy of a chicken is about 15 years. Really? Yeah. So it. So when we talk about in the class that I teach, end game, that's kind of important because you you either have some expensive pets that you're going to <laughs> keep feeding, right? Mm-hmm. Or you got to figure out what you want to do with them. Okay. Okay. So people have selected their chicks. Mm-hmm. They've got one of every breed. Right. Or not every breed, but one of six. Mm-hmm. And so what's next? Well, you have to take them home and keep them warm. And I always brood my chicks in the garage with a heat lamp. It, you know, the first, the the temperature you start out with is 95 degrees. You got to have it 95 degrees in for those day old chicks. Otherwise, they'll get cold and die. They're very fragile. I think it's important to just read the chicks. If they're all huddled under the light together, you know that you don't have it warm enough. You can always put a thermometer down in the, your box, mm-hmm. your brood box, at chick height. And look at that thermometer or just read your chicks. If they're all huddled under the light in a pile, then you know it's not warm enough. If they're spread out against the sides of the box, you know it's too warm. So you can be the judge there. And then with each week that they mature, you can drop that temperature by five degrees. And there's a great chart in my book, The Backyard Chicken Fight, for that. Okay. So just make sure you keep them warm. You have to keep them uh, it, you have to have fresh water every single day. That's the most important nutrient for chicks and chickens. Fresh, clean water. And chick starter. I never, I don't recommend the stuff that has the antibiotics in it. Just buy chick starter. You're good with that. Um, and then I love compressed wood as a medium for them in terms of litter. You know, what do I put in there? Do I put straw? Do I put shavings? Mm-hmm. I like the non-toxic wood pellets that you burn. And what happens is you can just clean it out like a cat box and then throw that stuff in your compost later. Okay. It's it's great. And it will last you the six, eight weeks that you have your chicks brooding out in the garage or in a shed or wherever you have your chicks. Try not to do it in the house because they get <laughs> too dang dusty. You know about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you're talking about the wood pellets that somebody might buy to actually heat their home with? Um, I think that they're the same thing, but I'm not sure. 
what's nice is that those wood pellets are usually near the chicken feed mm-hmm. and you'll see them there and and they're great because they break down into sawdust and they go great into the garden the nice part about it is they're non-toxic and the chicks can't eat them and they can barely scratch them to throw them into the water and into the food so with that in mind you you always want to raise elevate your food and water even for chicks you want to keep it higher you don't just want to set it on the on the the bed okay Mm -hmm. all right well let's take another break and we'll come back and we'll continue uh getting people ready for their chicks this year is your dog's true nature shining through along with a shiny coat too find out by filling up your pet's bowl with purina one true instinct dog food available at dnb supply purina one true instinct gets back to nature and back to basics inspired by your dog's gut instinct to naturally choose nutrient dense food the expert nutritionists at purina one developed a recipe that puts pure protein front and center let your dog's coat shine through by dishing out purina one true instinct dog food available at your favorite d and be supply. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D&B Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Gretchen. Well, now that we're back, we've talked about selecting the chicks and bedding them and keeping them warm. What's next? Well, the nice part about having chicks and buying them early, like right now when it's still cold outside, is that you have about six to eight weeks before they feather out and they need to go into their coop. So this is the time when you want to be paying attention to how you're going to house them out in your yard. Mm -hmm. That's the most expensive thing you'll do is housing your chickens. The chicks aren't that expensive, nor is the food, but the, the housing can be. So I always say, Matt, Build or construct or convert the largest coop space you can and run you can uh, for your your space, your wherewithal, your budget, mm-hmm. uh, because you won't be sorry. Because that way, if you have to go away for a weekend, you can load them up with fresh food and water and you can take off. It's okay mm-hmm. to take off for a weekend. Everybody says to me, oh, I travel too much. I can't have chickens. Well, if you're gone for a couple of days, you can. It's It's pretty easy. So that's what I would do. And I always say it's it's a rule of four, you know, the space. So in, in the coop, four square feet per chicken, then rule of four, double that, eight square feet per chicken for the run. If you're going to free range your chickens, you don't have to worry about that. But but run space, if you're going to keep them in a, a run, a chicken run, mm-hmm. it's got to be eight feet per chicken. What do you see most people doing in municipal settings? Are they building a chicken run or are they just letting them go in the backyard? Both. Both. I think what they try to do, um, and this is just anecdotal from my classes that I teach, a lot of them want to be able to watch the chickens in the backyard, but they honestly do not want to deal with all the poop on the patio, right? Chickens Uh fertilize everything in their path. Right. So they want to be able to control it a little bit. And there's a lot of control in cooping and keeping your chickens in a run. Um, But if you... my advice that way is keep them in the run, but at night when you come home from work or school or whatever it is, let them out for a little bit. 
just let them out to get the bugs in your yard. That's the beautiful thing of having chickens. Mm-hmm. It's natural pest control. Let them spread their wings and run and get all the wonderful benefits of having a nice summer in Idaho or Oregon. And uh, and then and then they'll put themselves to bed and then just go close them up. Okay. And so I was going to ask you about density, but I think you covered it right yeah, there, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. in the in the coop, two square or four four square feet square, square in the feet coop per chicken. Double it. And double it for the run. Yeah, and then and then the question is, well, how many nest boxes do I need? Mm-hmm. And this is the fun part. I I taught a, a class clear out and on Sunny Slope, and one of the guys there he had built twelve nest boxes for his dozen chickens, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, yours, <laughs> you, you are. I bet you're a good husband, you know, <laughs> because he was thinking about each one needs their own nest box. But uh-huh. honestly, and for those chicken keepers who are listening, you all know, and you're shaking your heads right now. Yeah, the girls prefer one or two, maybe two boxes mm-hmm. over all the rest so really for if you have four chickens you only need one box so that rule of four comes into play again so for every four chickens you have you need one box if you have five chickens you need two boxes okay okay if you bump up over four or eight you, you know you you know the math you got to have another box okay. but uh boy if you've got six chickens you only need two boxes all right. And now for the people that are letting them just free range in their backyard, is there a risk that the chickens will be able to fly high enough to get out of their yard? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what do we do? Well, it depends on what your situation is. And, you know, everybody's different. Chickens seem to to, to hang around their area where they know they're safe. They've got some pretty good survival instincts. But I'll guarantee you in a flock, you'll get a dumb chicken. And, and she will fly up and go over the fence and, and hopefully not into the neighbor's dog's mouth, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a, you know, you should clip a wing. I always recommend if that's, if that's a worry, then clip a wing. And I say clip a wing because <clears throat> so many people will say, oh, I'll just clip their wings. And I can't tell you how many, Matt, uh, chickens I've, I'm a chicken sitter around town. I take okay. care of chickens and I look down and I notice both wings have been clipped. You mm-hmm. don't want to do that. You only want to clip one okay. because it throws off their balance and they can't get flight. So you just clip one wing. And again, in the Backyard Chicken Fight, the book, there's a great diagram on, on clipping their wings. So by clipping just one, that's how you're throwing off their balance. Absolutely. So if you clip both, even though you've clipped them down, can they still? They can still get flight. Yeah, they, they can, can still get loft. You bet. You bet. Interesting. Yeah, those those crafty girls. They're pretty smart in many ways, but remember, their brain is only the size of a pea. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Chickens, they, they amaze me sometimes, uh, you know, how their survival skills are, are really good. Fencing, I think fencing more than anything keeps out the predators. Okay. Right? And the predators during the daytime that you have to watch out for fox and and, uh, coyotes if you live out in the country or anywhere where they are uh, going going to be. And the neighbor's dog. Yeah. You know, that's, I have never heard of a a full-grown domesticated cat taking out a chicken. A chicken can defend herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got cats here who i'm sure would love a nice fresh chicken meal but they've never oh no yeah they don't they don't go after him yeah yeah okay excellent now how what about water do you recommend the automatic waterers or filling water every day what what do you recommend i love the automatic waterers and i if you have that capability of setting up a um a waterer like that 
go for it. It's one less thing because I'll tell you, I started out with a five gallon um, galvanized water, you know, stainless. What is it? Not stainless. It's galvanized. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those things are heavy. Yeah. And to and to you know change them out every day with fresh water is a big job so i'm now down to 2 gallons it's a much better deal but if you have the wherewithal to tap into a line and have the automatic waters go for it okay absolutely and then uh, in terms of the the waters that you fill and then they're gravity fed there's that vacuum effect how do you like those i like them i'm very familiar with the the um chicken nipples you know, okay. that you can um, modify a five-gallon bucket and hang and use it that way. And the okay. chickens teach themselves to use it like a, like a hamster okay. would. Okay. And that keeps your water clean. And I think it keeps it fresh because you have a lid on it. I'm just, I'm a real fan of, of making certain that the girls always have nice, fresh water. Okay. Well, that's a great idea. Now, how do they teach themselves how to use it? Good question. Because my old girls didn't want to have anything to do with that that uh, chicken nipple. I think it's it's a good thing to start them out as chicks. And I know out at Dunlap, which is mm-hmm. our hatchery here in Idaho, and uh, those of you who are listening in Idaho, it's the second oldest hatchery in the country. Really? It's been a long, it's been around a long time. Yeah, I didn't know that. They have chicken nipples out there, and they have some that you can just attach to like a a plastic Coca Cola bottle. And hang in your brooder box and see if your little chicks will take to that. Sometimes if you show them, I think, you know, their little pea-sized brains could manage to get them to do that. I've, I've seen chick chickens use them. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been able to get it done yet. But then <laughs> okay. I think I have lazy chickens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's take another quick break. All right. Good nutrition can mean the difference between best in show and better not go. So how can you make sure your future prize winning livestock is getting exactly what it needs to succeed? Seasoned showmen and women use Neutrina Show Edge. Neutrina Show Edge provides a simple program that gives you the edge in the ring so you can focus on what it takes to be a winner. Neutrina Show Edge livestock feeds and supplements available at your local D&B supply. Know what boots work as hard as you do? Georgia Boots, available to try on for size at D&B Supply. If you're on your feet all day, Georgia Boots knows the feeling. That's why they've designed exclusive comfort systems that cushion and support down to the bottom of your soles. While on the surface, they shield you from tough conditions with one of the most durable leathers out there. See why they earned the nickname of America's Hardest Working Boots and pick up a pair of Georgia boots at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Gretchen. Well, I've got a question for you here. Okay. So, and of course, that's my job is to ask you questions. (laughs) So we were talking about housing chickens. And there's this really neat concept on larger acreages of what's called a chicken tractor. Right. But those are actually being used in urban settings as well. Just on a smaller scale. Right. Oh, yeah. So can you explain to our listeners what a chicken tractor is and how it works and what kind of the benefits of it are? Well, the theory is is the chickens... uh stay in the tractor and it's a it's a smaller unit think a frame okay a frame okay. and that a frame sits on your lawn the chickens can come out and peck around on the ground and and eat the bugs fertilize the lawn and even aerate the lawn a little bit right mm-hmm. and you hang your food and you hang your water and they can eat there and and then they go back into their little coop area they lay their eggs and that's where they roost at night the thing about chicken tractors is they're great. 
you just have to move them every day. Mm-hmm. If you don't move them every day and you have them on your lawn, you're going to be sorry because the chickens tear up your lawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to clarify for the people listening who are not familiar with this concept. When we say chicken tractor, it's a euphemism. It's not an actual tractor, right? <laughs> right, and, right. I'm sorry. Yes, and it's movable. It's movable around the yard, right? Okay. Yeah. So, and when you say A-frame, we're talking about a small structure mm-hmm. that holds the chickens in. It's built like an A-frame, and it's really easy to move that all around the yard so the chickens can have maybe a different patch of grass or your garden or something like that each and every day. Yes, and so not only do the chickens benefit from it, but your yard will benefit from it as well. And the thing about living in in Idaho and Oregon is you got to make sure that that chicken tractor is winter hardy. That's the one thing about chicken tractors. They're great, I think, for more tempered climates, you know, a little warmer climates. Mm-hmm. This this year it would have been pretty tough for, to have a, a chicken tractor in Idaho alone. I, right. We, we had so much snow and so many cold temperatures. It just all depends on your situation. And I've seen some great chicken tractors. In fact, I have an example of one in my book in, from a, a family in Ohio. And it is winter hardy. And it's got some big wheels on it. And it even has stabilizers. The jacks like you would use on a motorhome. <laughs> stabilizers and it's awesome it's it's fantastic well let, i want to clarify with you then uh, because i think what you're describing i've seen and you're talking about are you talking about a larger self-contained unit where the chickens can actually go back into a laying box inside the chicken tractor oh yes yes oh, okay okay so what i've seen in a couple front yards around town is just a a little A-frame with some chicken wire around it. Nothing for them to nest on or for them to perch on or anything like that. They just get put in it every day and moved around the yard a few places, then put back into... Wherever they wherever they mm-hmm. roost at night, yeah. and that's possible as well. You can do that. There's control in that. Certainly, mm-hmm. your chickens won't be gobbled up by the the dogs around in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It all depends on, like I said, your situation. But you're right. You do see those on occasion where okay. it's just a little a frame with chicken wire, and it moves around the yard. Got it. So the the ones that you're describing that are being used in an urban setting, how large are they then? Oh, they can be lots of different sizes, Matt. I've seen them small enough that they're probably, oh, I'd say three feet wide by about eight feet, nine feet long. And then I've seen them even larger than that with big wheels on them so that they can actually be moved. And the one that I have in my, my book, it has an actual coop that is on wheels mm-hmm. and the run. And it just moves around the yard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So it's much bigger than what you've probably seen, you know, just out in somebody's front yard. And what does that do to your feed expense for your chickens when you get them out and they're on your grass and they're in your garden? Oh, it's a beautiful thing. You know, that your your feed usage goes down significantly in the summertime when the girls can go out and uh, eat all the bugs and the the greenery that you have in your yard and they really benefit from that you know what's nice is that in the summertime the yolks of of these backyard chicken eggs are a deep gold mm-hmm. you know they're beautiful they're 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 orange almost and that's because they have uh, boy a heck of a lot of um uh, nutrients in it that turn them that color mm-hmm. mother earth news did a research project on backyard chicken eggs and they are by and large healthier than the ones you get in the market and then and then fast forward to the winter when the girls aren't uh foraging and they aren't uh scratching around in all the greenery and that sort of thing mm-hmm. their yolks lighten 
to a light yellow. And so they're, they're not as, probably not as rich and heavy. But get this, there are recipes around the world that have been developed by chefs who want to use those lighter eggs in the wintertime for special recipes. So it's really cool. Yeah. 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 And I, I will tell you this. You always hear about how farm fresh tastes better. Oh. And I don't think I've ever seen that demonstrated better than with eggs. Yeah. There is an unbelievable difference when you have chickens that are out and they're roaming around they're eating bugs and grass and things like that and laying eggs it's just a wonderful difference eggs from happy hens are fantastic (laughs) well you brought up recipes so i want to ask you about that next and we will do that right after this break hamilton carhartt started sweating the details back in 1889 carhartt started to stitch together workwear made to stand up to steel smoke and the industrial revolution ever since carhartt gear has survived in the most rugged corners of the world and thrived in the harshest conditions at work or home in 1959 a couple of fellas named dutch and bud set up their first supply shop in idaho to outfit people in the west with only the best when you need the stuff of legends even just to make it through the work day stop in for some Carhartt at your favorite D&B supply. Know how to work it on and off the job? Wear Dickies with jeans, pants, shirts, and more made for all you hardworking, good-looking types. Find what's fit to be worn at D&B. Since 1922, Dickies has been making it work with denim and other duds that go the distance. These days, Dickies comes in all fits, fabrics, styles, and sizes, but one core thing holds true. They sure do hold up. When you want to wear it well without wearing it out, pick up some Dickies at D&B Supply. Okay, Gretchen, let's talk about what to do with all of the eggs people who are new to chickens will be getting once they get started with this. All of a sudden, you know, a family that likes the ideas of having or likes the idea of having chickens and they go out and they get six chickens uh we're using Boise as an example. Mm-hmm. So, what the municipal code will allow, so they get six chickens and then all of a sudden, they're getting five to six eggs a day mm-hmm. during peak season. Sure. And they're going, well, we like eggs, but we never ate this many eggs in our life. What are some recipes that people can start using their eggs in? Oh, I would say, well, I've got lots of recipes off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you use those eggs and you eat them with abandon. Here's a couple of fun facts about eggs. One, the egg is the protein by which all other proteins are measured. Okay. Yeah, fun fact. So it's the it's the real deal. Two, the egg that you and I consume from our backyard chickens and any egg that you buy in the market is the one animal protein that we best digest. So it truly is a super protein. All of those crazy 1990s news stories about eggs being bad for you have now been debunked. Mm -hmm. Eggs have wonderful, wonderful nutrients. So I say first, eat them. Eat them like you would, you know, what, however you want to do it in an egg salad or, or scramble the eggs or do a frittata or something like that. Should you do it like Rocky? Like five or six raw eggs in a glass and just down it? I'm not sure I would go that far. No, I prefer to cook my eggs. And I think that's really important to have, you know, well done eggs. There's a plethora of egg recipes on the internet. So I'll, I'll let our listeners check it out there. But they will get lots of eggs if they have six chickens. They'll be getting, you know, at peak season, 
five to six eggs a day. So yeah, you have need, at it. Need to come up with some creative dishes to you be bet. to be making with you all bet. your eggs. Okay, well let's at, let's talk about avian influenza. Now you were oh. telling me off air that mm-hmm. you've been monitoring this in Europe. Yes, and it's something that's heading our way. So talk to us about that. Well, right. you know it's already been here, and we did have a property out in Canyon County that was quarantined two years ago, mm-hmm. and so it it is of great concern and our department of agriculture is is monitoring this as well when i teach my classes i always say just use common sense as a backyard chicken keeper if you live in a a neighborhood where you have some ponds and you go walking by those ponds or go run those trails and you know that ducks or geese have pooped there Mm -hmm. you do not wear those shoes back into your coop or or even into your backyard because you can spread that avian influenza okay how's that well it's the the migratory waterfowl ducks mallards geese that uh hat that carry the avian influenza they're vectors they don't get sick but they carry it and how do they pass it along to other birds through their secretions either through their droppings or through their you know their mucus and that sort of thing so that's how it gets spread and you walk in that and then walk uh anywhere near where you have backyard chickens you're Mm -hmm. asking for big trouble okay so biosecurity is huge and in europe right now and in some pacific rim countries it's just crazy avian influenza is really bad right now and once our temperatures in oregon and idaho come up we will see more cases of it and so we have to be vigilant about it and is that a bigger concern for the health of your flock or is that transmittable uh, from chickens over to humans well that's a really good question and i've been watching that um there are many different strains of uh, avian influenza. And there are some people in China who have become sick. So mm-hmm. yes, there it can cross-contaminate. So I don't know if we had the, the various strains here in the United States, mm-hmm. but I've been watching it over in China for one, you know, that's one place where there have been humans who have come down with avian influenza. It hasn't been the H5N1, I believe, is the strain that we had here in Idaho, which is highly pathogenic. Mm-hmm. Your birds get it, they die. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's within a 24-hour period. It is a different strain. And so in China, where I think a lot of humans live more closely to their, their flocks, mm-hmm. that's where the problems have begun education is huge in this and so for backyard chicken keepers to be aware if you have a pond on your property or you have migratory waterfowl anywhere near where you are you have to be very very careful so some biosecurity measures are very prudent yeah uh, but we're not talking about you know stepping into a bucket of bleach with rubber boots each time you go no not at all what i would suggest is that you have a pair of coop shoes and maybe even a coop coat that you go out with and that's all you ever wear and that those shoes and that coat uh, go out and then come back in and stay right right within the inside the door something like that okay all right Gretchen I want to ask you so why in your opinion why should people who live in town when they can just run to the grocery store why should they keep their own chickens oh my goodness well I always I always say there's several reasons why we want chickens in our backyard one first and foremost is for those beautiful healthy eggs that you know what went into your chicken so you know what you're getting okay mm-hmm. the backyard chicken egg is is by and large full of nutrients more so than any market egg that you can buy and the taste is phenomenal and two the chickens will provide you with natural pest control 
They'll eat the bugs that you don't want to have, which is really nice. And three, they'll fertilize everything in its, in their path. So you can use that nitrogen-rich fertilizer mm-hmm. for your garden. And then you've got a, a, a plethora of entertainment with these chickens. <laughs> so, uh, you know, those are just a few reasons. I think when it comes down to it, a lot of people will tell you, I keep chickens because I want to be more sustainable. I want food security. I want to know where my ch- food's coming from. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to do what I want to do in my own backyard. It's a it's a property rights issue. <laughs> sure. Well, and you know what? That brings up a, a good question as well about, I'm sure there's a, quite a crossover between people who want to keep chickens and people who want to keep a garden. Right. So if you're going to let your chickens go out, are they going to decimate your garden? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the younger chickens, I've found, they, they maybe don't clue into it the first gardening season. But boy, by the second gardening season, they know what's out there. And they're looking for those beet tops or, you know, the carrot tops. They love the, the fine, you know, if you have starts of lettuce and that sort of thing they're going to eat that so honestly you have to create a barrier between your garden and your chickens until you want to tear down the garden then the chickens will help you tear it down and it's a beautiful thing okay and and you talked about the benefits of them eating bugs can you let your chickens into the garden even for a limited time to deal with bugs or is that are they going to go after the stuff you want to keep more than the bugs? Uh, both. They'll go for the bugs and they'll go for the stuff you want to keep. Okay. Um, they're they're very smart about getting the tomatoes that you want to keep or, uh, you know, the I had one chicken peck out a whole slice of uh, pumpkin this past year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the pumpkin got big and it still had that area, but it was kind of cute. I realized she, she liked that tender pumpkin. Well, great. Well, I've really enjoyed hearing all about this and speaking with you. Now, for listeners who would like to contact you or find your books, I realize they can find them at DNB. Are there other places, Amazon or places like that, where they could find your yes, books? Yes, on Amazon and DNB is probably the place I would send them. Uh, and then I'm on Facebook with The Backyard Chicken Fight. So okay. if anyone has any questions, they can join me there and I, I answer questions there. And then I teach classes around the Boise area quite often. This year it's going to be with uh, Nampa and Caldwell Libraries as well as uh, Community Ed in Boise. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this today. My pleasure. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>